0: All right. I would invite you at this time to take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter three once again. Philippians chapter number three, and uh, we are going through the series called "Rejoice in the Lord," a verse-by-verse uh, study of the book of Philippians. And uh, Philippians chapter number three. And as you're finding that, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's word, if you're physically able to do so. Philippians chapter number three, and uh, we're going to pick it up in verse number twelve. Let's go ahead and start in verse number 11, how about? Here Paul says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, "'Forgetting those things which are behind "'and reaching forth unto those things which are before. "'I press toward the mark for the prize "'of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. "'Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. "'And if anything, uh, and if it, in anything ye be otherwise minded, "'God shall reveal even this unto you. "'Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, "'let us walk by the same rule.'" Let us mind the same thing. And let's pray again. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to read your word and to look in it this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would guide us into all truth and that, Lord, you would illuminate your word in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that, again, you would help us to be good hearers, yes, but then help us to be good doers of what we hear. Help us, Lord, to take what you have for us and apply it to our lives and I pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear, but then to heed your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> in, 19, in 1953, a 33-year-old man named Edmund attempted to do what no one in history had ever, had ever done before, and that was to ascend the tallest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. For those who don't know, Mount Everest is 29,029 feet above sea level, which is nearly, get this, five and a half miles high. And to put that in perspective, the elevation of Moore, Oklahoma, is only 1,253 feet. I measured it yesterday. No, I didn't. I Googled it yesterday. Well, on May 29, 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary and... Nepalese Sherpa mountaineer Tenzing Norgay became the first climbers confirmed to have reached the summit of Mount Everest. It's a truly inspiring story and I would encourage you at some point in your life to read it. It's amazing how these men paved the way up to the tallest summit on the planet. You see, Sir... Edmund Hillary wanted to go to higher ground physically. But here in Philippians chapter number three, we see the Apostle Paul is expressing his desire to reach higher ground spiritually, which, by the way, is exceedingly far more important of a pursuit than climbing a mountain. Though that's wonderful and inspiring, it should hopefully propel us to be inspired to grow spiritually and to go on to higher ground for the Lord. You see, the Apostle Paul here in this passage had a hunger and a thirst in his heart to grow in his relationship with Christ and head to the summit. And he's encouraging us, and I want to encourage all of us this morning to have that same heartbeat of desire to go on to higher ground in our relationship with God today. Second Peter 2, 2 says this, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby if so be ye have tasted that the lord is gracious so peter's saying look it's it's natural for a, a little baby to desire milk to be hungry for those moms who know what it's like to hear the cry of your baby and you know that's not because he needs his diaper changed. That's not because he needs to be held. That's because he's hungry and he wants food. I just put earplugs in. That's what I do when my kid was crying. Right, Luke? <laughs> but see, these babies have that desire to grow and, and that hunger is, is natural for Christians. That hunger for spiritual growth needs to be just as natural. Paul chided the church at Corinth for their spiritual immaturity. He said this to them, he said, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. You see, there was a group of believers there in Corinth who failed to develop this desire to grow in their relationship with God. And he was beginning to rebuke them for their lack of spiritual growth, for their lack of desire to go on to higher ground. It's natural for Christians to grow. And yet, unfortunately, many do not. They may make the most important step of trusting Christ alone for their salvation, but unfortunately, they stop with that. kind of ends there. And they... Many times these Christians kind of use the thief on the cross as their their little scapegoat, you know. Uh, The thief on the cross didn't follow the Lord in baptism. He didn't join a church. He never served the Lord. He never shared Christ with others. I don't need to either. Well, that's true in order to get to heaven, but God doesn't want us to be just like the thief on the cross. I don't see you hanging on a cross today. God wants us to grow. God doesn't want us to stop with just trusting Christ. Look, Christianity is not like choosing auto insurance where you make your decision and forget about it until you need it. No, Christianity is supposed to completely change our lives and our direction. Paul said, "Therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away; behold, all things are become new." The idea here is that we develop the desire to grow, to take the next step in our Christian lives. So I'm going to ask you at this point in the message, and I'm going to ask you again at the end of the message, what step do you need to take in your Christian life? Do you need to take the all-important, most important step of all, and that is the step of salvation, placing your faith in Christ alone? Do you need to make that? I would encourage you to make that decision today. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed another day. So salvation, if that's where you need to take, that's the step you need to take, please take it today. Okay, you've been saved and not yet baptized. Baptism is the first step that a Christian should take after they have come to Christ. Do you need to take that step? What about joining Cornerstone Baptist Church? Maybe you need to take that step. What about the step of having a a daily time with God where you open God's Word and read it for yourself and you spend time talking to the Lord through prayer? If you haven't started that, that would be a great next step for you. What about giving your time, your talents, and your treasures to the Lord? He didn't give them just so that you could hoard them and use for yourself or on yourself completely. No, God gave those to you, your time, your talents, and your treasures to use for His honor and glory. What about serving through your local church, finding a place that you can use your talents to serve the Lord? Many of you have made that choice, and I'm thankful that you have taken that step. What about sharing Christ with those around you? Maybe you know a lot of people at work or at school or wherever you are that need the Lord, and you've been reluctant to take that step of sharing Christ with them. I want to encourage you to develop the desire to go to higher ground. So what step do you need to make in your Christian life? God desires that we would desire to go to higher ground. And so do you desire that? I hope you do. So from this passage this morning, I want you to notice with me four specific actions we must make if we are to go to higher ground in our Christian lives. First of all, I want you to see here in uh, verses 12 and 13 that we need to forsake our pride. Forsake your pride. Look at verse number 12, Paul saying this. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. And then he goes on in verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. You know that word apprehended? You know what that, it's it's the Greek word. Uh, Brother Blake just uh, got done taking some Greek classes here last year or so. and uh, So what's the Greek word for apprehended? No, that's incorrect. The Greek word for apprehended is katalambano. And of course, I knew that since I learned it way back uh, a couple days ago when I put it in my notes. Um, The word apprehended... The Greek word here means to attain, to come upon, to comprehend, to find, or to obtain. You see, in other words, Paul realized and he came to the understanding that he had not obtained all that there is in the Christian life, and he had not arrived. It seems kind of strange, though. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul, after all. This is the man who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, Certainly, if anybody has arrived, it was him. But he said, I have not yet apprehended. You see, he was honest about his spiritual location. That he had a long way to go. If you remember, Paul referred to himself as the chief of sinners. He detailed his spiritual struggle in Romans chapter 7 when he testified about the things that he knew he should do. Unfortunately, those were the things he didn't do. The things that he knew he shouldn't do, well, unfortunately, those were the things that he did. We can all relate with all of those. Look, if Paul realized and knew that he wasn't perfect or apprehended, then we should also understand our need for that same realization about ourselves also. How do we forsake our pride here? First of all, we need to have a healthy discontentment with our spiritual location. Now I know that this is Thanksgiving time and we're here talking about how grateful we are for all the blessings in our lives and certainly uh, salvation is one of the top things we ought to be thankful for. And we need to be content. We need to learn to live with contentment with the things that we have. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, let your covetous or conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so it's, it's good for us to learn to be content with the things that we have. But here in this passage, Paul wasn't content to stay where he was spiritually. Big difference. You see, he had a healthy discontentment with his spiritual location. Look, friend, no matter how long you have been a Christian... No matter how much you know of the Christian life or know of the Word of God, we all still have room to grow. It's a very dangerous thing when we think we kind of know it all. No one has arrived. Remember Philippians 1, 6? We looked at it several weeks ago when we were in Philippians chapter number 1. But verse 6 says, "...being confident of this very thing." that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. he's He's still kind of working on me. I'm not where I need to be. He's still making me what I should be. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. But sometimes those who have been saved for a while can get to the point where they think they know it all. They've heard it all before, and they can be tempted to think that they have arrived. My friend, I want to warn you. That mentality is dangerous and it is overflowing with pride and can I remind you that God hates pride. You remember Peter? The man who walked with the Lord Jesus for 3 years was part of the inner circle. The Lord said to him, Simon Simon behold Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I have arrived. He actually said, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. He said, I'm right where I need to be. I'm ready. I have attained all that there is. I know it all, Lord. I've heard it all before. Though others may forsake you, I won't because I have arrived. Jesus said, I tell thee, Peter, cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Look, we better take heed lest we fall. None of us are immune. All of us are susceptible to horrendous things. Speaking of falling, here are a couple illustrations of those who didn't take heed and, as a result, had a hard fall due to their pride. Think about a man in the Old Testament by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 5 records his story. Here Daniel's talking to his father, Nebuchadnezzar's father, and Daniel says, O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom. He gave him majesty and glory and honor, and, and for the majesty that he gave him all people, nations, languages, trembled and feared before him whom he would he slew whom he would he kept alive and whom he would he set up and whom he would he put down but when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride he was disposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him and he was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was with the wild asses They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appointed it over it whomsoever he will. What a tremendous fall that was. Talk about Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar had a fall like very few people have ever experienced, but it was because of his pride. It was because he thought he arrived. Well, you say, that's Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Acts chapter 12. And upon a set day, Herod, King Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. People gave a shout saying, oh, it sounds like the voice of a God and not of a man. The Bible says that immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and then gave up the ghost. Typically, people die and then they're eaten of worms. But here, in this story, Herod was eaten of worms and then gave up the ghost. I want to encourage all of us to not, let, or not get lifted up in pride thinking that we have arrived. Let's get a healthy discontentment with where we are spiritually. And not say, well, I... I already know all this, you know. I don't really need this. Be careful of that attitude. If that starts creeping into your life, that is a dangerous form of pride. And God will humble you. Either you humble yourself or God will humble you. And I'm telling you, it's way better to humble yourself. So first of all, have a healthy discontentment with your spiritual location. And then... Next, have a healthy desire for spiritual growth. Again, this should be something that is natural for every believer uh, that knows the Lord, that we have a desire to grow. Verse 13 here in this passage, he says, and I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and here it is, reaching forth unto those things which are before. You see, Paul had a healthy desire to go on to higher ground. He, he wanted spiritual growth in his life. He wanted to become more spiritually mature as time went on. The song we sung and started the service with, Higher Ground, My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay, though some may dwell with those abound. My prayer, my aim is higher ground. Is that your Prayer, is that your aim? I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, please plant my feet on higher ground. Oh Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, again, please plant my feet on higher ground. Is that your prayer? Is that your desire? Oh, it was Paul's. God wants it to be ours as well. In order to do that, we're gonna to have to forsake our pride. We're gonna to have to say, I've not arrived. I'm not perfect. I have a lot of room to grow, and there's a lot of a lot between me and the summit here. I'm not gonna let that discourage me, but I'm also not gonna think I've I'm I'm there. And I have like, I, I need to like stop right here. No, no, no. God wants us to keep growing. As long as God gives us breath, he wants us to keep growing. So first of all, if we're going to keep going to higher ground, we, we, we've got to forsake our pride and realize there's a need to keep growing and to keep going in our Christian lives. So first of all, we need to forsake our pride, but secondly, we need to forget our past. In verse number 13, oh, I have count my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind we need to stop living by looking back. Dr. Warren Worsby said this, do not say, why were the former days better than these? He said, you do not move ahead by constantly looking in a rear view mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 17, verse 32, if your parents are looking for a short memory verse for your children, this is a great one. Remember Lot's wife. <laughs> Remember Lot's wife. It's three words in one verse. Why would God say that? Why would Jesus say that? Because. Lot's wife looked back, and she became instantly a pillar of salt. You see, Solomon encouraged his son Rehoboam along these same lines in Proverbs chapter 4. He said, let thine eyes look right on. Let thine thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand or to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. He said, look straight ahead. Stop looking back. There are a lot of people who are held back by their past and they're not able to go to higher ground because there's anchors holding them from moving forward. A couple thoughts about forgetting your past. First of all, don't become proud of your past accomplishments. A temptation for the more seasoned believers is to rest and become proud of yesterday while accomplishing nothing today. Today is a new day. Let's accomplish what God wants us to do today. Paul easily could have rested on what he did. See, he writes this book. I mean, he had accomplished quite a bit up to this point. He could have coasted on that and said, You know, I've done more than most. I'm kind of done. We'll let the young, the, the whippersnappers come in and take it from here. That wasn't Paul's mentality, though. He said, I still have a purpose. I still have uh, a reason to be here, and I'm not going to let up just because I'm a, maybe a little tired or, or tied up into prison. I want to keep going forward. I'm going to just let those things, while they were great, let them be in the past, and I'm going to keep looking through the windshield instead of the rear view mirror and say, wow, weren't those some great days? Back when I was a kid, you know, um, and, and just rest on that. Look, he, his overwhelming thought was on what still needed to be done for the cause of Christ. And Don't let, don't let you know, hey, well, man, years ago, we did all these great things as a church, and, and I was part of all this great stuff. I'm glad you were, and those are probably fond memories for you. But look, God still has people to reach, things to accomplish in the here and now. And I, I realize that maybe you may not have the energy or the, uh, the, the gunchin that you used to have, but look, God still wants to use you and you should never stop desiring to be used of God. So don't become proud of your past accomplishments and thinking that I already did all that. Let's let the young crowd come in and do it. Yes, the young crowd needs to come in and start doing it too, but you need to lead the way and be the example. You've been there. Show us how it's done. Next, don't become paralyzed by your past failures. A lot of people are they think, oh, "I can't I can't be used of God because of what I did. I can't be used of God. There may be some things that may disqualify disqualify people from doing certain things. But look, God's not done with people. If you're still here, he has a plan and a purpose for you. Accept the forgiveness Christ has offered you and move forward. Move on. A lot of people say, you just need to forgive yourself. Well, technically, forgive yourself is not in the Bible. (laughs) Um, Accept the forgiveness that Christ has already offered you, receive that and move on and say, hey, I've been forgiven. God looks at me as if I've never sinned, so I need to move on and not just, well, if people really knew what I used to do, or what I used to be. It doesn't matter. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, Therefore is, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It is one of the devil's tools, no doubt, to remind us of our sinful past, telling us that we're not worthy to do anything for Christ, that we can't be an effective spouse, we can't be an effective parent, we can't be an effective Christian. And unfortunately, too many believers believe that lie as well and are paralyzed brother past failures. That's not God's plan. Don't let him paralyze you. I realize all of us have skeletons in the closet. We all do. We're all sinners. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the skeleton club. But let's now move forward realizing that there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. A lot of people are ineffective in the present because they are either gloating in past accomplishments or wallowing in past failures. Neither is profitable and both end up destroying us. Think about this. The devil is a master at bringing up the past probably because he has nothing in the future to look forward to other than a lake of fire. And so when the devil reminds you of your past, just kindly and graciously remind him of his future and then live for God in the present and then choose to do what God has called us to do right now. So forget the past. Forget your past. I know that the past a lot of times shapes who we are. I get that. but We cannot let that past hinder us from doing what God wants us to do. So how do we go on to higher ground? Well, we better forsake our pride, better forget our past, and then thirdly, we need to focus on the prize. Good verse number four, Paul said this, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, as we go on to higher ground, there's going to be a lot of distractions along the way. So it's vital that we keep our eyes on the right target, on the right object. And we start looking at the other climbers. We start comparing ourselves among ourselves and saying, well, I'm higher than them, so I'm doing pretty good. Or we might compare ourselves to the one who's a little farther up than us, and we might get discouraged and say, oh, they're so far ahead of us. They they make it look so easy, and, and I'm still way down here. Look, if you're focused on other climbers... It's going to be a hard thing for you to reach the summit. But if you're focused on the right targets, the, the finish line, which is Christ, you can finish there. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set down before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your eyes on Christ as you're going on to higher ground, and you'll get there. But we again start looking at other people in their lanes. As they say, stay in your lane. Um, Stay faithful in your race. What was Paul's prize here that he was focused on? A couple things. First of all, he was focused on reaching the lost. I believe Paul had a tremendous heart to get the gospel to those around him. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, he said, "My my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they would be saved." He even said, "You know, if if it means that I lose my salvation in order for them to gain salvation, I would do it." He said, "It can't be done, but I would I I want them to be saved so much." See, so he had a heart for people to come to Christ. He had a great desire to get the gospel to as many people as possible, and and we must know that our call, high calling as believers is also to. Know Christ and to make him known. Remember uh, Jesus, as he gave, gives the Great Commission, he says, go ye. You realize that go ye includes me and it includes ye. Oh, I know we're in Oklahoma. It includes y'all. Okay, It includes you. I realize, okay, I'm a pastor. I better be doing it. You're right but not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. And you better be doing it too, because you're a Christian. out of obedience to him. And so Paul's focus here was on the prize of getting the gospel to as many people as he could while he had the time. Jesus said this, and I was walking this morning, and uh, on Sunday mornings I, I walk at a park, uh, and, it, and one of the parts of the park is right next to a cemetery. I I've thought, you know, that's, that's kind of good and healthy for me to walk next to a cemetery at least once a week. To remember the fact that this life is not going to last forever. And that one day the night's going to come and I'm not going to be able to work. Because remember what Jesus said? I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Because the night cometh when no man can work. One day I'm going to put on my suit for the last time. I'm going to come to this pulpit for the last time and I'm going to preach my last sermon. And so while I have the time, while I have the breath, Lord, help me to stay focused on my mission is to reach the lost. Somebody wrote this, for God so loved the world, not just a few, the wise and great, the noble and the true, or those of favored class or rank or hue. God loved the world, do you? Paul was a man who loved the world like God loved the world. And and I know that you know in in 1 John it tells us to love not the world. But yet John 3.16, for God so loved the world. We need to love the world but not love the world. We need to love the world like God loves the world and see the world through his eyes. As he looks in this world, he sees people who need a relationship with his son. I want to encourage you not to uh, or to to look through those lenses as you see people who cut you off tomorrow on the way to work. Uh, the people who are in line at Chick-fil-A, that forever long line at Chick-fil-A drive-through. I've never seen it not come out the driveway. Those people need the Lord. Well, they probably already know the Lord cuz they're at Chick-fil-A, but anyway, But look at people through the eyes of Christ. Look, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed, Hudson Taylor said, the great missionary. And so that is part of the prize. But the greatest prize, our greatest purpose in this life is secondly to please the Lord. Verse number 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, our great Purpose in this life, yes, is to reach people, but most of all is to please Christ, to please the Lord. John 8, 29 says this, He that sent me, Jesus said, The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Christ's purpose in this life, in in his ministry, was to please the Father. And he did always those things that please him, and you say, really, always, like in every moment of every day, in every situation? Yes. That's what we should be striving for. That's what we should be doing. Is Now, no one's going to be perfect, I get it, but we should be striving for it. Just because we're not perfect doesn't mean there's no accountability, there should be no desire. Ephesians 6 6 says, Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good service, doing, uh, with good will doing service, as to the Lord and not to men. So this should be our greatest desire, our desire to please the Lord. That should be the prize that we're after and focused on. So going on to higher ground, boy, we better. Learn to forsake our past or forsake our pride, and we better forget our past, and then better keep our focus on the prize. And then, lastly and quickly, we better follow the plan. Verses 15 and 16 talk about this, especially 16, where it says, Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. And uh, in this, we see in these couple verses, we see, first of all, our goal. And our goal is spiritual maturity, our our goal is spiritual growth, where we become usable for God, more effective for the Lord, closer to Him, walking close to the Lord. That's our goal. But but notice here our guide, our guide in verse number 16, let us walk by the same rule. The same rule is referring to the Word of God, the scriptures. We use this verse at the beginning of the message, 2 Peter two two. as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. The word of God is our rule. The word of God is our guide. The word of God is what we all need to walk according to. We've got to follow the plan. In order to do so, you have to trust the scriptures. I don't know if you can remember back to Monday or Tuesday. Most of us can't even remember what we just had for breakfast this morning, but if you remember back to Monday and Tuesday and that cold front that came through Oklahoma, and how it was unusually cold for this time of year, and it was giving us flashbacks back to Montana on Monday and Tuesday. Well, on Monday, I was here with Seth, and Seth was cleaning the church, and, and I was preparing and, and uh, working on my messages, and, and uh, he got done, and it was time to take him home. By the time I, it was time to take him home, there was a lot of drizzle that had come in and hit my driver's side of the of my truck, and the cold froze that drizzle on the on the driver's side of my truck. I get in the I get in the truck and I'm like, okay, well I can't see out my driver's side window, but I can see just fine through the windshield. I should be good. And so we get out. Uh, And we get on Main Street here. I need to take a left at telephone. And I realize I cannot see out my driver's side window to see if there's any cars coming toward me. And I said, Seth, can you see? And he leaned up, and he was able to see just fine. And I said, OK, you tell me when it's clear. And he said, it's clear. And I punched the gas. And we're still alive. The end of the story is we're still alive. But guess what? I had to trust him. And I remember feeling like, dude, I love you and all. But if there's a car coming, I'm going to get hit first. And so I really had to trust my son, Seth. And I'm thankful that he didn't let me down. And I trusted him. I know I could have opened the door and looked out if I needed to. But I thought, you know, I I trust him. And I'm going to just hope that there really is indeed no car coming. And there wasn't, and we made it, and it was fine. Look, God has given us his infallible word. He's given it to guide us and to show us the way. But will you trust it? Or do you kind of have to see the end before you're willing to trust it? I know it's not always easy to trust something you can't see. I was trusting that Seth knew that there was no cars there. And that he was being honest with me. This Bible is much more infallible than my son Seth. A lot more. (laughs) Seth is a good kid. But as much as I trust him, I can trust the word of God even more. Remember, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But what good is a flashlight if you never turn it on? We must be in the Word of God and turn it on, and then as it shows the way, we must step forward by faith. I love the little chorus that says this, My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Strength for today is mine all the way, and all that I need for tomorrow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. He knows the way through what you're going through. And uh, this word acts as a flashlight that leads us along. Are you willing to follow it? Here's another one. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. But to trust and obey obey but God's word is only going to be effective in our life if we're willing to obey it to go on to higher ground we must follow the plan of God's word James said it this way but be doers of the word not hearers only deceiving your own selves so we need to follow the plan going to higher ground all of us should have that desire we're going to have to Forsake our pride and say, Lord, I need to go to higher ground. Please help me not to be content with where I'm at spiritually in my relationship with you. Help me to take the next step by faith. We better forget our our past because the past has a way of holding us down and, and keeping us from going higher. And then we better focus on the prize and keep our eyes where it needs to be, and that's on the Lord Jesus. And finally, we need to follow the plan. God's given us the plan in His Word. Let's follow it. Prior to 1953, no one had ever reached the summit of Everest. But since that time, get this, over 5,000 people have made it to the top of Mount Everest, the tallest mountain on the planet. It took one pioneer to pave the way and to say, it's possible, it can be done. And many followed after. The Apostle Paul was a faithful servant of Christ accomplish much for the glory of God. And since then, there have been countless men and women who are used of the Lord to accomplish great things for His honor and glory. And, and He's saying it can be done. You can go on to higher ground. But will you go to higher ground? So I mentioned I was going to say, ask you that question again. What is the next step to higher ground for you? Is it salvation? Have you placed your faith in Christ alone? If not, please make that decision today. What about baptism? You've been saved and have not yet followed the Lord in baptism. Make that decision. What about church membership? Daily time with God, giving of your time, talents and treasures. What about forsaking sin? There's some besetting sin in your life and you haven't gotten victory over it. It's time to make that step. Serving the Lord through your church, sharing Christ with those around you, what step do you need to take for you to go to higher ground in your relationship with God? Whatever it is, take it today. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, please plant my feet on higher ground. Will that be your prayer today? I hope so. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, thank you for the time to Be challenged to go on to higher ground in our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that all of us would be willing to take that step, whatever that may be. Most of all, Lord, if there's one here today that's never taken the step of salvation, oh, Lord, I pray that you would help them to make that decision before it's eternally too late. And then, Lord, those of us who are saved, help us to take those next steps. Help us to keep moving higher and higher in our relationship with you. I pray that you would help us to have that desire today and all our days.